Every time I look into my wife's eyes, I think, is this it? Every day we fall in love more and more. With who she used to be. Someone told us once, never go to bed angry. So I just sort of store my anger inside. I may not have found the right person yet, but I'm having a pretty good time with all the wrong ones. I guess I have a certain type, and apparently it's the type that doesn't want to date me. If it hadn't have been for my marriage, I might have gone through my whole life without realizing my flaws. Every single flaw. All right, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Come on, it's not really like that, is it? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't care what you say. Hey, we're glad that you are here today. And uh, man, I know we got this flu bug going around, and that is for sure, man. Um, praying y'all feel healed in Jesus' name. I am recovering from it. And uh, I, if, if you see me throwing back a ton of water, uh, it's, I'm not a camel today. My, my throat is still bothering me a little bit. But I am, uh, camels drink a lot of water, all right? So that's what, that's what some of y'all look at me like, what? Boy, what medicine is he on today? All right. Um, I, I promise you, I may not feel real good, but my mind's okay. I promise you that. And so, but we're, we're glad you're here. And I'm, uh, I'm not contagious because my fever's been gone 24 hours. Praise God. All right. So, uh, but anyways, hey, just before we get into uh, our message today, uh, um, we want to take a moment today and uh, just honor one of our own here uh, at Elevate City, um, and that is uh, Cheryl Oliver. Uh, Cheryl went home to be with the Lord this past Sunday, everybody, and uh, she was a part of our church over the last few years, and uh, her and her husband, Ron, uh, nearly married almost 55 years. Ron's here in this service today. Ron, we love you so much, and praying for all the family, the many that came in from out of town as well, and um, and so, man, it's hard. It's hard uh, when you lose uh, one of your own, and um, and so we are just been very, very prayerful for them and uh, and their family today. And so I wanted to just take a moment here in the service today, and can we pray for Ron and the family today, church? Can we do that for him? Father, today we just lift up uh, Ron before you, and we lift up the entire family, all the kids and the, Lord, all the grandkids as well. And uh, Lord, we're so thankful for the promise that we have in Jesus. Oh, the hope that we have in you that, uh, Lord, we, Scripture tells us we don't, we don't grieve like the rest of the world grieves because we have a promise. We have a hope that, Lord, one day again that we're, we're going to see her in heaven. There's no doubt about that. But, Lord, while we're here on this earth and in this time of grieving, God, we just speak that you would minister, God, to Ron and to the entire family, Lord, in Jesus' name. We just speak life over them today. We speak the blessing of God over them. And, God, most of all, in the days and the weeks ahead here, uh, God, for the comfort of your Holy Spirit to be upon them. And, God, uh, I'm so thankful, Lord, for uh, that, that woman could just, uh, her, her amazing heart to serve people was immense. And so, Lord, I'm thankful for the impact, God, that she had right here at Elevate City and the lives that she touched, God, throughout her journey with you, and we just, uh, we honor you, God, by by thanking you for all that she did to make an impact and a legacy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Ron, we love you. I, I was thinking recently, we were, I was with her, um, and um, just had the opportunity just to pray with her, um, just right before she passed, and just the peace of God uh, that was upon her, but man, I, I am telling you, uh, when you know Jesus, it's, it makes all the difference, gang. 
Um, you know, I, I've um, yesterday wanted so much to be a part of that. Uh, it, it tore me up not to be able to not be there because I was so sick yesterday, but um, but to know where she's at today and the promise that we have. And, and you know, and I've done, man, I've done memorial services and funerals, everybody, for those that didn't know God. And I'm telling you, those are hard to do. But when you know Jesus and when you have a promise uh, that, that, that that loved one knows the Lord, oh, my goodness, uh, that doesn't necessarily make it uh, easy, but it makes it a little bit better to know that, guess what, man, we got the promise of knowing that they're at rest in heaven, and we get to see them again, everybody. Amen. Come on, can we just give them a hand? Amen, everybody. Amen. 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 Thanks for just everybody yesterday as well. Um, I wanna, we're going to jump in this series today. We, we had a good time, I think, in first service this morning, and so... Uh, but just before we start our message last week, if you missed it, we kicked off this series, and I just called it Tips from the Toilet, and uh, we had a toilet up here. How many of y'all remember that? And it had some, had some toilet paper. How many know there's a right way and there's a wrong way to put on the toilet paper? All right, there it is. There it is right there. Y'all study that for a minute. Yes, no, you monster. Come on, I think the third one's still better than the second. How many know what I'm talking about? My God in heaven, there's a right way and there's a wrong way, all right? And so we just learned a lot of fun things last week. We really laid a foundation, had a lot of, uh, had a lot of fun with that. Great to have my beautiful wife up here with me. Babe, you want to say anything? I love being up here, doing this with him. This is like fun, so I'm excited. All right. Well, we want to lay a couple just, again, reminders of some ground rules that we have in this series that I think is really important for us. The first ground rule is, this is for me, not the person next to me. Everybody say, this is for me. All right, so no nudging, all right, your neighbor or, uh, you know, making sure they're listening and did you hear that point, you know. So everybody, you're listening for you, all right, it's going to be real important. And then the second thing is, is here's the reality too as we move forward in this series is that you're going to hear some things that you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can live up to that expectation and standard that God has as it relates to my relationships and marriage. Like, how's this all going to work out for me? And, and I want to encourage you, the great thing about our God and who he is, is he makes all things new. And so no matter what you've done and no matter what you've been through, I'm telling you, we are in no place that uh, God cannot reach. And so I want to encourage you today to know that regardless of what happened last night, that God is so focused on this moment here today and what you do with it moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen? And so I want to remind you today, as if you have moments that you feel that way, to remember he's a God that specializes in making all things new. And then the final thing is next Sunday. Everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday. Uh, it's a PG-13 Sunday, everybody. All right? So I'm, just, I'm, I'm telling you again this week just to let you know, if you have kids that are in sixth grade and up, it'll be completely appropriate for them. If you have kids that are fifth grade and below, I would strongly probably encourage you. It's totally up to you parents, your discretion, but uh, our kids' ministry has great age-appropriate messages for them. All right, and so it will be spicy. We are not going to pull any punches next week, and uh, the topic is on great sex, and so we're going to talk about that within dating, but then also what's that, so what's that look like and, and, and in, in, in regards to marriage and, and holding sex for the marriage bed and doing uh, sex when it's time. Come on, somebody. I know, listen to me. Somebody asked me and said this, said, is, is, is it 
appropriate for my sixth grader? And I said, absolutely, because they're hearing a lot worse than their schools. And I think it's important to learn that when the timing of sex is important, according to the word of God and God's standard. Amen, everybody? And it's always been for marriage. And so we're going to look at that and really uh, want to see things God's way. And, uh, and I'm passionate about it because uh, the enemy and the world has so tried to pollute uh, this beautiful thing that God has made called sex to make it something perverse or something that we don't want to talk about. But we're going to talk about it in this church because we want to help all of us understand God's view for sex. And the church said, amen. All right. And uh, so I want to get right into our message here today. And, uh, and I want to start off because we're going to kind of do it in two ways. This is the way Bethany and I kind of felt like we wanted to approach it, is we want to talk to the singles, and then we want to talk to the married couples today. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't have your notes, you can uh, take your message notes out. They're in your worship guide. You can follow along that way. We've got some things we'll give you. Or on the app, you can download the message notes on the app. But, um, but we just want to encourage you today, if you're single, you're saying, man, I desire to be married, or, or, or maybe you're even in a place you don't want to be married, that's okay too. We had some things that we talked about uh, briefly on that last week, but uh, we want to encourage you in, in, this, in this journey as we march forward. But the first thing is this, and I just want to start, start off with saying this, that uh, if you're single, you're wanting to date, or maybe you're dating even right now, is how important it is to follow your spirit and not your feelings. And let me tell you why, because your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will get you in trouble if you're not careful, all right? The Bible says it this way in Galatians 5.16, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Everybody say, walk by the Spirit. All right, that, that, was, that was decent. Let's try it again with some more oomph. All right, everybody say, walk by the Spirit. There you go. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Something I learned a long time ago that has been incredibly helpful for me as I've just growing in my relationship with God and when I think about decisions is simply this, choices lead, feelings follow. I think it's an amazing principle to always remind yourself of that. In other words, I'm not going to be led by my feelings first. I'm going to take time to really think about things before I make quick decisions and really trust that I, I'm hearing God's voice for my life. So I'm going to let my choices lead and my feelings follow again because your feelings will get you in trouble. In fact, my feelings nearly uh, got me in big time trouble years ago because I nearly married the wrong woman. Yeah, I was dating a girl that I was uh, with for well over a year, about a year and a half, and I thought she was the one, and I was at a place where I was getting ready to start the ring shopping, everybody, and, um, and, and so, and I'll never forget being in that relationship and thinking, yeah, this is it, this has surely got to be God, and, um, you know, because of the way I felt. And, and if I'll be honest with you, there's some things within my spirit that I knew I didn't have a peace about, but I was ignoring it. Because I thought, well, it'll be okay, and if I get in this thing called marriage, I'll change her anyway. Yeah. yeah how many know that's wrong thinking, right? But we're going to talk about this in a minute, but how many thank God for great friendships? I mean, I'm talking about the kind of relationships that will be honest with you. The kind of relationships that will that are not bobblehead, yes, kind of, you don't need a bunch of yes people in your life. You know what a bobblehead is? That's all they do. You know what I'm saying? So you need people that are, that are honest with you, not impressed by you. And I, I'll never forget, I had a dear friend of mine one day, it was just he and I, and he said, man, I just want to ask you how your relationship's going with such and such. And this is back when we lived in Columbus, Ohio. And I said, well, you know, here's, here's where we're at. Here's what I'm thinking. He said, man, can I, just, can I just be honest with you? I said, yeah, man. I really thought, man, he's going to be supportive, loving, all that. 
and he said, I love you, Kyle. I said, I love you too. What's up? He said, well, this relationship, I'm just telling you straight up, man, is a relationship of convenience, and you know it. And I thought, ooh. And then he said, and God's not really in this. I mean, do you have those kind of friends in your life that'll tell you that? Like, if, in, 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 if you do, hold them tight, all right? Because those are, fr- those are friends. Because they love me, and he loved me enough to say, no, 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 no. And he was right. And it was very, very difficult and hard for me. So I went back to pray about it, and I was just convicted by the Holy Spirit to say and to know that I was really pursuing, and I've been in this relationship, because I was lonely. And I was in a place that I just, I didn't want to be alone as a, as a single guy anymore. And so it just became easy for me to do that. And I'll never forget after that, it didn't take a long time to know and to pray about it, but I broke things off. And I just said, hey, I just, this is not the direction I feel to go. I'm not going to waste your time anymore. So I made a decision after that, and I'll tell you more about this story in a minute, to never waste time again because I'm of the belief if I would have went that route, I would have missed out on so much. Of course, my beautiful bride today, uh, but I'm convinced I know I wouldn't be here today. I'm just telling you, relationships are everything. And so uh, I, I believe the best way to, to find that special someone, and this is really where I had to get to, is to become the person that God has called you to be. It's to grow into the man or woman that God has called you to be and to pursue God and his purpose for your life. And it's amazing what begins to happen. The book of Ruth in the Bible is a, what's one of my favorite books in the Bible. If you haven't read it, you totally should. Um, but Ruth was an amazing woman. She had lost her husband um, and was being obedient to what she felt like God wanted her to do and was staying with her mother-in-law. Uh, and stayed with her and stuck with her. But in Ruth 2.2, says, One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So then on in Ruth chapter 4, verse 13, it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. So the thing that so often happens, I think, is we can tend to get our eyes on just getting married. We look for a spouse. We just want to find that husband, that wife, rather than doing what we need to do, and that is to help ourselves, to focus on us and helping ourselves to become the healthiest version of whoever we are. So God wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be strong spiritually. Because if you're not, and then you enter into marriage, you're not going to have a very easy time of marriage. And marriage is not easy in general. It is hard. Um, There's a book out there that actually refutes the fact that marriage is meant to make us happy um, and rather says that marriage is meant to make us holy. So becoming holy is actually a very difficult thing. It's not about us being happy. And we have to get our eyes off of looking for a spouse and rather look to become close to the Lord and become the strongest version of ourselves that we can, both spiritually, emotionally, mentally, all of that. So good. You know, the thing about Ruth, too, everybody, that is so powerful. If you get an opportunity, go read. It's a short book, just a few chapters long. But Ruth was in a place that her husband uh, passed away. And so God had called her to serve her mother-in-law. Now, how many know there's not many uh, that would go serve the mother-in-law after that? Actually, in fact, the Bible talks about her, her sister-in-law, Orpah, ended up moving back home after that 
and, uh, but she stayed with her, uh, her, her, her mother-in-law, Naomi. And as she was doing that, here she was getting caught up in just doing God's plan and purpose when Boaz comes into her life. And I love the fact that in this story of who she was, that she wasn't settling for anyone. And can I just say what a great lesson to learn is not just settling for anyone. That if you're going to settle, settle for God's best for your life. Come on, the church said a better amen. All right? And so here's the thing about Boaz. Ladies, listen to this. He was a handsome man. He was a, he was a rich man. He was a spiritual man. He was a sensitive man, which equals a husband. I remember being 22, me and Bethany not having a clue about what marriage was like. Like, we were just trying to figure this thing out, weren't we, babe? Like, I, I don't, you know, but, but one of the things that we knew is, is that we weren't just going to go, uh, and I made this decision for me, that I wasn't just going to go around dating anybody and everybody because I know me. And I know me real well. And so I knew even after that relationship, I had to be extremely careful. But Boaz is spelled, everybody spell Boaz with me, B-O-A-Z, all right? So Boaz has some relatives. And if you don't wait, you'll miss out on the one that God has for you, all right? Let's look at some of his relatives. To all the girls who are in a hurry that have a boyfriend or to get married, a piece of biblical advice, Ruth waited patiently for her mate Boaz. So while you're waiting on your Boaz, don't settle for any of his relatives. Broke as, poe as, lying as, cheating as, dumb as, drunk as, cheap as, locked up as, good for nothing as, lazy as, and especially his third cousin, beating your ass. Wait on your Boaz and he will respect your ass. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you. Just telling you. Don't waste time on just anybody and everybody. All right? And if you had a religious bone in your body, you just, whoo, got the shivers on that one. All right? But I'm just here to tell you, and we're just here to encourage you, that God does know exactly what he's doing. And he specializes in relationships if we'll do it his way. And the church said amen. All right? <laughs> so here's the next thing is we have to listen to right voices. Um, not just any voice, right voices. You want to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with healthy relationships that are going to encourage you, first off, in your, your relationship with the Lord, that are going to push you to pursue your relationship with God. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So you want to hang around healthy people, healthy couples, people that you can know are going to give you good biblical advice. And here's the next thing is that we also have to stay honest and accountable. So those really go with each other. Those coincide with one another because we all have blind spots, every single one of us, and we need that godly counsel and we need friends yeah. who are going to be willing to do exactly what PK said a few minutes ago, and that is to call us out when we're going down the wrong direction, when we're making poor choices, we need somebody, people that are going to call us out, that are going to tell us that, listen, you are messing up. You're making a poor choice in this area. Or have you thought about this? Here's some things to consider. You need that godly counsel because we all have blind spots. Galatians 6, 4 tells us, but each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, attitudes, and behavior. And then he can have the personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. 
So if we're going to have counsel, here's the thing. We, we might say that we want counsel, that we want accountability, but do you actually? And are you listening? Are you heeding the counsel? Because if somebody is trying to help you and you're just shutting down that, that counsel, maybe you're really missing it and you're really just going to make things worse for yourself along the way. So you've got to heed that healthy counsel. I'll interject this real quick to say that, you know, when, when it comes to relationships, one of the things that when, when we went out for the first time, I, I don't even know if I would call it a date um, as it was kind of a get to know me, but um, and we went to California Pizza Kitchen, but, and, and I'll never forget, great place by the way, um, I, I, I just made the decision that I'm not going to waste time. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm really into this girl. Like, girl is, woo, you know, she's, she's fine. All right, so, but there's a lot more than just that. And so I went, and I was very honest with her, and I really asked some very honest questions about just future and what she sees and what she wants for her life. And because those are really important things to me. And if not, this, this could be really difficult. But at the end of the day, I, and I told her very honestly, I said, out of respect to you, I don't want to waste your time, but I don't want you wasting my time. And so we went and we had this dialogue for a while and we chatted and, um, and the, it matched up. And, but not only that, I'm thankful for my pastor and some of the leaders that are in my life because I took it to them. Because I wanted to make sure that this wasn't just Kyle, but you know, I wanted others you know, covering me in this relationship. And you may say, man, that sounds awful old school. And, and I still think the old school kind of rules. That's just my thing. And, and, I, and I think what's really important is not only that, is doing it God's way is always better than doing it my way. I've just learned that because I've messed this thing called life up a lot in my, in my time. And so I've just chosen to live by God's word and, and, and even as it relates to relationships. So I want to say this real quick that I went to them. And, and I trusted them to pray over, and I trusted them when it was time that after we finally started dating, when it was time to get engaged. And, man, to have those people, man, that were with me on that and their support uh, was huge to me. And so um, I wanted to just say that. And here's the final thing is this, is this is honestly what it all comes down to and everything that we've said. is At the end of the day, God's timing is always way better than my timing. It always is way better than our timing. And... Again, I, I am incredibly thankful for God not answering the prayers that I prayed for the other woman. I mean, you better thank God for some unanswered prayers in your life. Somebody talk to me. All right. I, I'm just making sure I'm not the only one in the room that I'm sitting here thinking, thank you for not answering that one. Uh, that was one. And so, um, but God has his perfect time. He knows what he's doing. And it's just trusting in that process. And, and I've always looked at this, that my waiting time is not wasted time. That I, as, I'm being wa as, I, as I'm waiting forever, whoever it is that God wants for my life, it's not being wasted. It's prepared time for my future spouse. And by the way, and, and I was going to touch this later on in the message, but man, I was praying for her way before I even met her and even though she was who God had for my life. Even as a teenage boy, I grew up uh, praying. I had a mama that was always telling me, you better date the right woman, you know what I mean? And I had that finger up in my face. And so, but I was always in a place of just prayerfulness and thankful for that in my life. And so, um, so I want to encourage you, God knows exactly what he's doing and the timing. And you need to understand that your waiting time is not wasted time. You need to hear me today if you're single today and you want to be married. It's not wasted. 
And I don't know who that is, but you need to hear that today. Song of Solomon says this, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. You know what that really also means when you study it out? It's not to have sex out of its timing. I'm going to read a scripture next week. It's probably going to... Ever seen that emoji? Do you use that emoji? Because I do. The one that's... It's going it's, it's to do that to you next week. But that God has a time for sex. Next week's going to be so good. All right, I'm just going. I'm just telling you, it's going to be so good. It's going to be. It's going to be. Going to be. Going to be good in it. All right. So, but sex is awesome in its time, and and I challenge you in your life to raise the standard of holiness because we serve a holy God. All right. And so I love this quote. I don't know who said it. I, I just think it's worth repeating that a woman's heart should be so lost in God that a man needs to seek Him in order to find her. Well, I think it's so good. Amen, ladies. And like you said, there's a lot of benefits to waiting until you're married to be intimate with someone. Um, but if you have not chosen that path, it's okay. There's no condemnation here. Today is a new day. Yep. Um, I speak from a personal experience. My husband was a virgin when we got married. I was not. We made the choice to do things the right way in our relationship but I had made a lot of poor choices before he and I ever knew each other. So I get That's it, good. but there's no condemnation That's here. Right. But Amen. today's Amen. a new day. Amen. You can make a choice today to make a change and say, you know what? I'm That's not good. gonna continue to do things like I was. I'm gonna do things according to the word of God because that's what the Bible tells us. This isn't our standard. Yep. This is God's standard. Right. This is what he tells us to do. That's good. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. So we have to trust God's timing, just as Ruth did. She trusted God's timing. She was obedient to what she knew God wanted her to do. And then God rewarded her greatly for that patient waiting that she did in her life. Yeah, amen. So here's the next thing is um, just talking about how we can fight fair. So we really think that this is an important thing in all relationships, not just marriage, but in all relationships, we have to know how to fight fair. Because if we're not, then we go down a really bad progression. And that starts off with first complaining, that we get into this just normal routine where just complaining becomes part of how we communicate, what we say, and what we do. And we don't want that to be this case. Um, so for a wife, it might sound something like, why don't you mow the grass? It's a jungle. And then the husband responds and says, why can't you make something I like to eat? I don't even like what you make. <laughs> or why do you stay at work all the time, the wife says. Or then the husband comes back and says, what do you do all day at uh, home with these kids? And I'm telling that. you right now, you say that to your wife, it's a death sentence. So don't say it. Do not say it because you have no clue what they do all day at home with those kids. <laughs> and it is way more difficult than you realize. But complaining in our relationships is just a sign of selfishness. We all just have this innate nature that we just want to be selfish. We want things to be about us. Yeah. And it's something that we have to fight against. It's not about you. Part of marriage, part of relationships in general is just being selfless and being willing to put someone else above yourself. But that really can tend to be an underlying thing in a lot of our marriages. Jude 1, 16 tells us these people grumble and complain and live by their own selfish desires. They brag about themselves and flatter others to get what they want. So if we're not careful, then it becomes this manipulation thing where we use complaining 
to get what we want. We act like children, let's be honest, where we're complaining, we're whining, trying to get what we want by a means of manipulation, and that's not healthy at all. Yeah, Proverbs 21.19 says, it's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Just to help you out, ladies, it's not just wife, but also spouse. All right, fellas, so us too. All right. Um, I love something I saw Rich Wilkerson Jr. said. He said this, complaining is when you talk about a problem with no intent to solving it. I'm going to say it again because I think it's worth repeating. I saw that, I thought, boy, that's good. Complaining is when you talk about a problem with no intent to solving it. Um, one of the things I feel like Bethany and I, you know, and, and I want to stress this, that we don't have the perfect marriage, we don't have the perfect kids, that we're growing in this just like everybody else. Um, I think a strength for us is our communication. I think it's something that we've committed to always work, working hard with. And, um, but there's, there's real moments of arguments, disagreements that we have, and there's moments that where we've got to give each other some space in some room, maybe like, I need like 30 minutes, like give me a little time to process this, and, but always coming back and making sure we work this out, because that complaining then turns into arguing, and so the arguments that begin to happen, what that does is all that's doing is driving a wedge, driving a wedge, and in other words, this, the yard still isn't mowed, you know, it's just still talking about it, and, and so here's what, here's kind of what we've learned, is that whatever triggers the argument in that moment, anything that has taken place in your relationship becomes fair game. So, and, and let me just, <laughs> let me say this, men. Uh, we are not equipped well to win this battle. Um, because women have this catalog computer in their brain. Like, they don't forget anything. It's unbelievable to me. They just don't. All right? And it's amazing. Second Timothy, though, chapter 2, verse 23 says this. Stay away. Read it with me, everybody. Here we go. One, two, three. Stay away from stupid and senseless arguments. These only lead to trouble. Man, how many of you know God knows what he's talking about? <laughs> That's for sure. Arguments then, I mean, they, what they do is just churn and spiral us out of control. And, I, I, and another thing that I feel like we have continued to grow and learn is that every argument usually goes back to the real problem in the relationship. And, it's, 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 and all of us have them, and it's usually, I think, two or three issues that we have. And, uh, and, and I know for me, this argument and the complaining is something that I grew up seeing constantly with my mom and dad. This was hard for me. So my parents divorced when I was young, but I, can, I, I cannot tell you uh, what, what bothers me the most of some of my memories when I look back, though, of my parents. And it's sad, and, and this is something we've talked about, and, and that is their, the arguments that they used to have so much. The yelling matches, the screaming matches. Can I just tell you, and, I, and we just want to challenge you. And I told Bethany, I said, hey, whenever we have kids, we can't do that. Because I, as the child, I'm telling you what it did to me. I'm, a, I haven't forgotten it. B, it's the constant, the constant, I remember moments within our home. And when it would begin, I would literally, literally run to my room many times, cry myself asleep, put the pillow over my head. And then it began to get so bad that I prayed for divorce as a boy. Because it was that bad. 
And I just thought, man, you know, and as Bethany and I talked and we went through premarital counseling, which I talked about that last week. By the way, if you missed last, last week's message, make sure you go listen to it. It's really important. We laid a real strong foundation for these weeks. So you can go on the app, you can go watch it and catch up on it. But we talked about the importance of premarital counseling. But, but within that, I just, we just made a decision together that, man, when we have those heated moments, or what we, we call intense conversations, all right, uh, that we're not going to do it in front of the kids, but we're going to protect them because we understand we're leading them and we're the influencer and what those kids see they're going to replicate. And so what we do is either we'll send them to the rooms or we go to our room and we just kind of, we, 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 we handle things there. Why? Because we want to protect them, all right, and we want to do our best in our communication. So we have to keep in mind that our kids are not equipped to handle those adult conversations. Yeah. I don't care if they're little, if they're a teenager. I don't even care if they're an adult. I'll tell you, still to this day, my parents have been married for a long time, and I can't really think of any occasion where I ever heard them arguing. My house was kind of the opposite of my husband's, so we can kind of see both sides of things, where my parents, they had lots of family meetings, but it was just the two of them, and who knows, they might have been arguing or doing something else, mm. I don't know, but they did have Woo. lots of meetings Come on, in their God room. Come on, family meetings. And... <laughs> And so I didn't really ever see my parents arguing. They would, you know, all parents, all married couples have the little comments that they say. And still to this day, you know, my mom and dad have their little moments. But I never saw them argue, like really argue, not one time. So um, that's really how it should be because your kids should not be seeing that. And love them enough to excuse yourself from that conversation because then here's the deal. Even if mom and dad make up, which hopefully you do, hopefully you can come to an agreement, hopefully you can agree to disagree, something, have some type of resolution. Your kids don't know and understand that. They're not seeing that yeah. side of it. All they've seen is the blow up. And then what happens is they're going to school, they're going to be around their friends, and their friends are going to be talking about how their mom and dad fought all the time, and now they're getting a divorce. And then guess what seed now is sown in your kid's heart? They're afraid that that sense of security that they had before is now ripped from them because they're thinking my mom and dad fight like that. Maybe that's what's going to happen to them. So we've got to reassure our kids, number one, divorce is not an option. Mom and dad are together forever. But then using wisdom and having those adult conversations with only you and your spouse. That's all that should be included in that conversation. So here's the next thing is with the next phase is we go from complaining, then arguing to belittling. And this one is a dangerous one. It can really bring some long-term damage that you don't want. It can inflict a lot of hurt and pain. And when we're married or even in relationships, even if it's a family member, you know you know their buttons. You know you know what things to say and what things to push on to get a response out of them. And first off, it's wrong for you to do that, but it's belittling. It's not okay. And you've got to be careful that you don't allow that to become part of how you're handling any type of confrontation. Um, we've got to be really careful about that. Yeah, Proverbs eleven twelve says it's foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. So all of a sudden, the fight happens. And then what typically happens and what we've seen happen is the silent treatment kicks in. The silent treatment, treatment begins to happen. And I'll just say this, it's a, that's a dangerous place. And I want to warn you of that, uh, that when you, when you stop talking to your spouse. So, and then what begins to happen is you start talking to other people about your spouse. And that is very dangerous. All right. And so, and, and what happens too is we, when we're wounded, 
we want allies. We want people that's going to support us. We want some people, which is why, again, you've got to have the right people in your life, not just people in your life. All right? Totally different. And, and we want people to side with us that's going to show that support to our cause. Uh, sometimes we go to parents. Sometimes we go to friends. Sometimes we'll go to that attractive coworker. That's where, we, again, we've got to be so, so careful. I'll never forget when my mom and dad, right before we got married, our pastor had us do a real cool exercise in our premarital counseling. And I went to them and, and I talked to them just about their moment of when things begin to break down. And this is what they told me. So I'm giving you what out of, out of what I've learned personally, but even my, my own parents who were divorced, they said, Kyle, both of them said the same thing, my mom and my dad. They said, all of a sudden, we just quit talking. They said, we went from those yelling matches and screaming to all of a sudden, it was like we went to bed at night. Here we are in the same bed, but it was like this brick wall was in between us. She's on her side, I'm on my side, vice versa, you know, and they said, and the communication just began to be destroyed, and it was awful. Proverbs eleven thirteen tells us, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. This applies in marriage and in all relationships. Uh, we've got to be very careful about the words that we're speaking, making sure that we are careful about who we talk to and what we're saying when we're talking to those people. Um, ladies, guys, don't talk to somebody of the opposite sex about issues within your marriage. Yeah. It's not going to end well, yeah. and it's going to open doors that should never be opened. Those conversations should be reserved for someone that is in spiritual authority over you. So whether it be a pastor, a professional counselor, um, someone that is leading maybe a marriage small group, those are the type of people that you need to go to about issues within your marriage. And same thing goes within all relationships. Don't talk to your best friend about an issue with your other best friend. That's gossip. It's not okay. So you need to talk to the right person and know how to shut down a conversation. If somebody's expressing that they've got an issue with someone, do the right thing and tell them. Go to that yeah, person and talk good. to them. It's as simple as that. That's the very quick and easy way to shut down conversations that should not be happening. Yeah. So then um, going on to how do we navigate that conflict. So we want to give you some just real simple things of how you can apply some good biblical principles to your relationships. James 1.19 tells us, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That scripture for me um, has been a life verse <laughs> uh, because I know my mouth can get me in trouble. So sometimes we have to really check ourselves and say, all right, Holy Spirit, help me to be slow to speak, slow to react, and quick to listen to the other person. Yeah, so the first point, number one, is this, you want to jot this down, is pay attention. <laughs> pay attention. Guys, I want to help you for a minute. Uh, when she is talking, it doesn't mean uh, you're trying to talk to her while watching Sports Center. All right. I thought it was funny. All right. So, in other words, she wants your... She wants your undivided attention. That means no texting, no social media, no, no emails. And, and let me just say, I've done this. And Bethany will say, are you listening to me? And I just, whew, I get shivers down my spine when she asks me that question, when I'm not paying attention. I'm telling you, pay attention. Really listen, focus in on what she's saying. I'm telling you, it means the world to her. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when, the, when words are many... Sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Here's the second thing that I think is, this is critical. I'm telling you, this, is, this can be a game changer in many, many marriages. Seek to understand. 
I think the problem with most of our communication is that we want to be understood. And there lies the, 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 the issue. And so instead of working to understand, there's a big, big difference in that. When you understand, it will drastically change things in your relationships. And so for Bethany, the things that I'm learning is she doesn't want me to fix her problems all the time. Uh, but she wants me to kind of feel them with her, understand them, uh, even though I'm the kind of person like, yeah, you just do this and this and, and you got it. I guess they solve it. But as for her, guys, she's wanting me to listen. And, and so I, I'm, I must realize that there is something that she is saying that she is wanting me to get to. Most of the time, I think we are communicating, uh, what they are communicating is actually really not what they're saying, which is why you've got to really seek to understand. And so I don't listen to necessarily what she's saying, but what she is communicating. So let me give you an example. When she says the grass is not mowed, uh, it's a jungle, the house is embarrassing, this is really what she's saying to us. What she's saying to me is I don't really feel valued. I don't feel like you're focusing on, on what, I'm, what I'm desiring. And so I think it's really important that we're seeking to understand, not to be understood. Proverbs 29, 20 says, there is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. And then Ephesians 4.26 says, and do not sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. We have, this is something we very much try and make sure always happens is that we can resolve an issue before we go to bed at night. Because the worst thing is to wake up and you've still got that thing on you. And although, I'll say this, a lot of men may have let it go. I promise you, your wife's still thinking about it. I promise you she is. She's still <laughs> rehearsing it in her mind. She's still thinking, is he mad? Is he angry at me still? Because you've not allowed yourselves to actually come to some type of resolution. So you've got to make sure that you're getting that resolved before bed. And then here's the thing is that, number three, we've got to watch our emotions. We get really frustrated when we're having some type of disagreement, don't we? We just get frustrated, and we can allow our emotions to lead the way. And you don't want to do that. We want to make sure that we're communicating in the right way and that we're not going on the defense, but that we're willing to yeah. understand what the other person is saying. And so uh, another way to say that thing that he just said is that quit trying to prove your point. It's not about proving your point. And believe me, I'm guilty of this, too. I like my point to be known. I like to be right. Don't we all? I love being right. But you're not always right. And so... We've got to allow ourselves to be wrong sometimes or just to say, you know what, maybe, maybe I did miss it in this and not try and get my point across so much, not try and get your point across so much. James 3, 5 through 6 con says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. It says the whole course of his life on fire and it itself set on fire by hell. So the smallest things can turn into a huge fire if we're not careful. So we've got to make sure that we're knowing that Satan is working overtime to bring division between you and your spouse. Yeah. Do you want to say something? I just, real quick, two quick things is a true marriage that loves God learns to let go. It really, really does. Learns to let go. And one of the things that we talked about last week that's so important is remember that Satan fears a marriage that's united and honest. All right? So as we're working through these, again, it's the enemy that's trying to combat a lot of these things. And remember in Song of Psalms, it said in 2.15, it says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. 
Um, this is so true that in marriage and relationships, when we allow things to stay unresolved and we don't have the ability to just be able to communicate with one another, just to be honest, but to speak the truth in love, that those little things weld up and they become a big deal. And that's yeah. when that fire begins to start. So husbands and wives, we have to remember we're allies. We are not enemies. We are in this together. We're united. We are one unit, one front. And we're, we have to understand that Satan is working overtime, overtime to drive a wedge between you and your spouse. So here's the next thing is we have to speak words of life. Proverbs 15.4 says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. Proverbs 18.21 says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. It couldn't be more clear than that. All of us have to choose which it's going to be. Guys, I want to say this as we wrap up here and we'll pray in just a moment, is that you, as men, we have the ability to release the potential in our wives by the power of the words in which we speak. Your wife is the reflection of your character, all right? And it's our job, guys, to help her fill her fullest potential. Now, let me speak to the ladies real quick. Ladies, don't point out everything he's done wrong. Really important. Speak the best in him. Let me tell you something that's pivotal for ladies for you to understand about us men is that we are always drawn to environments of honor. And it's huge for us as guys. And, and so a, a quote that I love from Jimmy Evans, who's kind of the guru, he and his wife with marriage and relationships, he said this, when there is a drought and everything looks dead, there is still seed in that soil. It just needs a little water. In other words, there is no marriage that God cannot heal today. Nothing at all. And you can be encouraged and know today how much God loves you. But the key is, is application. You can have great information, great revelation, but if you don't have great application, it's wasted truth. So we've got to have great application if we're going to see our lives and our marriage just change and growing and moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen. Can we pray for you today? Go ahead, babe. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for everything that you have done today. Lord, I believe that there are many in here today where something may be sparked within them, whether it be someone that's single and they're just trying to be okay with just pursuing after you. God, help yeah. them to just fall more and more in love with you. Help them to see the, the beauty and the benefit of being single, that it does give them more time to devote to you. Help them to embrace it and be patient if they do want to get married. God, that you would prepare whoever that spouse is for them, yes, that God. they would be the healthiest version of themselves that they can be, both of them, before they ever enter into a relationship together. And God, I speak over the marriages in here. God, the, the Bible tells us that what God put together, no man can separate. So for any that a wedge has come between, for any that have had any hurt, any pain, God, that they would make a choice today to forgive quickly, that they would be able to just take responsibility where there needs to be responsibility taken. And Lord, that you would bring unity together again in marriages, that they would check themselves if they're doing, uh, arguing in a way that is not healthy, if they've exposed their kids to something they shouldn't have. God, that you would help them to make some healthy changes and that you would remind them that there's no condemnation, that you don't hate them, you're not yeah, angry yeah. with them, that they can choose today to, to take a different step forward, that they can propel their lives forward 
with the way that you have intended us to live our lives, the way that you have called us to be men and women of God. Help them to show the love of Jesus to every relationship around them, not just their spouse, not just their kids, but those at their job, that they would be light to those that are around them, that they would see a difference in them, that they would see Jesus in them all throughout this week, God, that you would just begin to even help bring healing to those marriages that have been pulled apart, that have experienced hurt and pain. We'd speak healing over them in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that you are the life giver. You are the life giver. You are the way maker. It's who you are. No matter what mistakes that we have made, uh, Lord, I thank you that your grace and your love and the blood that was shed upon that cross was for that. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us today. I know that we're all in different places and different seasons of our life. But God, more than anything, I pray that we continue to grow in our understanding of how much you love us. And how much, God, you saw us worth dying for. And so Father, I pray against just any discouragement today over anybody today that nothing is wasted. You're the God of the turnaround. And so Father, I speak your blessing. I speak your life. For every single man and woman and young person here today. And we just trust you, God. We love you and we honor you in the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity right there where you're sitting. If you just say, man, Pastor, I don't have that relationship with Christ, but I realize I need that today. Or maybe you had a relationship with the Lord at one point, but you haven't been pursuing Him like you need to be. And you say, man, this is the day. If that's you, I want you to pray a prayer with me today. All of us are going to pray this together. The Bible says this in Romans 10, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So I want you to say this. I want you to believe it with everything within you and repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I ask you today to change me. Make me more like you. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen.